Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Morning everyone online, it's good to see you all. Thanks for joining us today, wherever you're watching from. This is the last instalment then of our present series and I really enjoyed it. I think this has been a fantastic series. There's been some excellent instalments of it. I thought Adam's message in particular, I loved that message that he brought there. And it really feels that God is doing something new in the life of our church. It feels like there's like a change in the atmosphere. I don't know if you can feel that. And, and my encouragement as we go on from this series, I'm going to bring the last part and I want it to be a bit of an exclamation mark to all that we have talked about and, and, and learnt together. Um, we, we can't leave the presence of God, the idea of that in the series that is the presence of God. But all, everything that we've learnt, everything that we've spoken about, we must carry that on uh, into the year. I don't know if you remember, right at the start, Pastor Ali, we did an interview with her, and she brought a picture that really framed the series, and it was that of a boardroom and a throne room. And the challenge was, so the picture that she brought, the throne room was the throne room of Jesus, and in the boardroom, the pictures that she brought, the boardroom was busy, it was active, it was full of life, and the throne room was empty. And she placed a challenge before each and every one of us to return to the throne room. So not like prioritize plans or work or effort and to live our lives in the boardroom, but to live our lives in the presence of God and from that place to, to then work and live and be. And it really feels like there's been this wonderful emphasis placed again on the presence of God. And we can't lose that, hey, going forward. Um, so the, the Gospel of Matthew is, there's two ideas that are presented at the beginning and at the end like bookended, if you will, by this. So we've got Matthew 1, verse 23, and it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the beginning. The end, Matthew 28, 20, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So everything that happens in the book of Matthew, it starts with God is with you. It finishes with God is with you. And everything that will happen in our lives, in your life, if life is great right now, God is with you. If life is feeling tough right now, God is with you. If, if right now you would describe your life as sunny, as it's been this week, God is with you. If it feels overcast in your life, like it probably will be for the rest of the year, weather-wise, here, God is with you. The bookends of our lives, the bookends of this series, the bookends of, of us, it's like God is with you at the beginning, God is with you at the end, and God is with you at the end of all things. We're bookended by this idea, God is with you. And the, the, what I want to finish with today, this series, and the title is this, His Presence is a Promise. He has promised us His Presence. His Presence is a promise to you, to me, and to this church bookends of that it's wonderful and we're gonna we're gonna figure out and look at what that means okay so can we pray together is that all right father we thank you that we can gather here in the room online and we can worship you we can fix our eyes on you we thank you lord for your presence that is with us and lord today would we learn more about that and going out from this place would we know that your presence is with us each and every moment of our lives in jesus name amen amen Um, My son, Caleb, he's three now, 
and he's doing this wonderful thing where he'll take something that's happening or take something that I've said and then he'll just come to these outlandish conclusions. Like, so for example, we're driving and he'll ask me, are we going to Tenerife? Like, no, we're going, we're going to Tesco. Like, or he'll go, can I, can I have pizza and sausage? Like, no, it's 6 a.m. Like, what? But his, it would be lovely and cute, if not for the fact that he then gets mad at me for not fulfilling the promise that he's invented. It's like, you know, Tenerife, why are we going to Tenerife? Because I'm in a car in Quedgley. What, what do you want from me? But he'll do it all the time. Why can't I have pizza and sausage at 5 a.m.? <laughs> he yells at me for not fulfilling the promise that he's invented. And I wonder sometimes when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our perception of God, like because all of us in this room, whether you're new to this space or whether you've been here a while, all of us, if you believe in God, will have an idea of who God is and an expectation of who God is. I wonder if sometimes we project onto God, project onto his promises, project onto God who he is, like, Really, what, what's our own expectations? We have an idea, a plan, we have a preference, and we project that onto God, and then we get mad when it doesn't happen. We get mad at him when he doesn't fulfill the promises that we've made. And, and that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. We can talk to this a little bit, don't we? I know the plans he has for me, says me. Plans to prosper me. And what I wanted to do in talking about the promise of his presence, because his presence is a promise, he's promised to be with us, I wanted to help bring some definitions and clarity not by talking about two things, by talking about what it is not, and then we're going to talk about what it is. Is that okay? So hopefully we can go out with a clearer idea about what the promise of his presence means for us by talking about what it is not, and then we're going to finish by talking about what it is. So, number one, he has promised us his presence. That promise... It's not our plans. Okay? That promise is not our plans. So it says this in Proverbs 16, verses 9. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And again, it's this idea that sometimes we can, we can have an idea of how we think life is going to go. We can have an idea of what we want to see happen, of where we will be at certain stages of our lives. And that's great to plan, but sometimes we'll, we'll take those plans and we'll assume that because they're our plans, they're our wants, they're our desires, God must have promised them to me. When it's not necessarily the case. He has promised us his presence, and that's not our plans. Not always. See, I, I remember when, in my early 20s in particular, I went through a time of being, like being honest, I got quite frustrated. I was a little bit disappointed with where my life was at. And I, it, I was that way because... I would look at what I was doing and then I would compare it with what my friends were doing, the friends that I went to school with. I'd look at my life and I'd compare it to their life. I love to travel. I love to travel. I'm a bit of an extrovert, so I love partying and that, that's something that I enjoy. And I'd look at what my friends were doing and they were traveling. They were seeing the world. They were doing what they wanted to do. They were partying and I was stuck in church. That was my feeling in early 20s. So they were, they were sightseeing and I was stacking chairs on a Friday afternoon at youth. They were partying and I was at a prayer meeting. That's how it felt. And I got frustrated. I said, God, the, the, I have plans. I have things that I want to do. Why can't I do them? Like, wh why is it they seem to be having all the fun and enjoying their lives and I'm, I'm here doing this? And that was a frustrating thing for me. 
But regardless of how frustrated I got and, and those times where I felt like I wasn't, my plans weren't going to, to plan, something about the presence of God undoubtedly like, it captivated me. And the person of Jesus captivated me. So even when I had my doubts and even when I was frustrated in my early 20s in particular, I, I knew that this is where I needed to be. And I knew that the presence of God is what I wanted to pursue over my own plans. And, and I decided, and it's a decision that I still have to make to this day because that sense of comparison, I'm sure we all know what that feels like. That doesn't go away. It just changes based on where your life is at. But that decision to allow God to determine my steps is one that I put into place. And that's in my early 20s. And I've, I've done my best to stick to that. Like, God, would you determine my steps, not my plans? I want to pursue your presence, not my plans. Cut, cut forward a few years. So that's early 20s. Now I'm 27. And I find myself in Zimbabwe at one of our churches there. And I'm stood on the back of a flatbed truck. And, and I've just... Tom is laughing. I've just... Um, coordinated a dance-off between Tom and one of the local residents, which has drawn this massive crowd. It was amazing. Tom lost, by the way, um, in case you were wondering. It was a beautiful moment. Um, and and I'm, I'm looking around as we've just preached the gospel, and there's loads of hands responding to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. We then invited people forward to pray for healing, and it was this wonderful moment. And I'm looking, there's this brilliant blue sky the horizon is lined with these breathtaking mountain range. And I felt the Holy Spirit in that moment sort of say, this is better than a drunken weekend in Magaluf, isn't it? Right? Yeah. And that's the goodness of the, of the, the, the promise of God. He's not promised our plans. But if we, can, if we can allow him to determine our steps, if we can pursue his presence. It says this in Psalm 37 verses 4. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If each of us could pursue his presence above all else, he will give you what you truly desire. Now this is a fascinating thing because I think if we're, if we're candid with ourselves, if we're honest, sometimes what we desire isn't the presence of God. Sometimes it is the travel or it is the career or it is the friends and sometimes like, that's that's the honest state that I, I'd rather pursue that and and our actions reflect that sometimes but it's fundamentally I believe a spiritual transaction that needs to play, take place to change what we desire we can't force ourselves to suddenly want to be in God's presence more and suddenly want to love Jesus more it's a it's a spiritual transaction and C.S. Lewis says this, I cannot, by direct moral effect, give myself new motives. After the first few steps in the Christian life, we realise that everything which really needs to be done in our souls can be done only by God. So let me encourage you, if, if you're aware that you are prioritising your own plans over the pursuit of the presence of God, if your life is orientating itself around your family, your career, earning more, getting ahead, your education, things that you know I'm putting that above a pursuit of Jesus, pray about it. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. And I need to do that regularly sometimes as my head gets turned and I start comparing where I'm at with where others are at and thinking, oh, well, maybe if, if only I had that. Is that a, a shift in my priorities? Pray about it. 
God, I want to prioritize you. I want to seek after your presence. I, I, I want to know you more in my life. I don't want to go for these things or look after that or try and make my own plans come into being. God, I want to pursue your presence. And there's that fundamental, beautiful heart transaction that he performs in us, sometimes instantly, sometimes over time. But when we do that, when we allow him to determine our steps, when we take delight in him, he gives us the desires of our hearts. It's this wonderful thing. His promise isn't our plans, but he has promised us his presence. He'll be with us at every step of that journey. The second one is this then. So it's not, his presence is a promise, it's not our plans. His presence is a promise, and it's not pain-free. It says this in, it says a story in Matthew 8, verses 23 to 26. And we'll read this now. It says, then he, this is Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. Note what's going on there. So you've got Jesus, he's in the boat, the presence of Jesus is with the disciples, and then the presence of a furious storm. They're both there. And sometimes I think we look at the promises of God, we look at the plans of God, and we assume they're pain-free. But that's not always the case. And just because there's the presence of the storm, it doesn't mean there's the absence of his presence. They can be, they can be there at the same time. And this, this is, a, this is a, a tricky one for us to get our head around sometimes. And without really diving into what's called... Um, the problem of evil, or the problem of pain, as it's known. How can an all-loving God allow problems to exist and pain to exist? I believe this, that what we see in this story, played out in this story, that, that Jesus rebukes the storm, I believe that gets played out in every story eventually. So Jesus will rebuke, eventually, every storm. He will, he will silence every wind. He will calm every wave. Jesus will wipe away every tear. Jesus will reverse, undo every injustice. What I can't speak to, however, is how long that process will take. Sometimes we pray and things happen and it changes in an instant. And that's amazing. We give glory to God for things like that. Other times, that process is a lot longer. And, and we don't necessarily know why, and it changes based on circumstances. What I do know is that his presence is a promise. And even in pain, he is present. And even in moments of trial and testing and doubt, he is with you. And he will never leave you, never forsake you. His presence is a promise, even in pain. So if you are going through pain in any way, shape, or form today, be that physical, be that emotional, relational, circumstantial, like, let me encourage you. He has not abandoned you. He is with you. His presence is a promise, and he is with you every step of the journey that may be painful. 
there's lots of verses in the Bible that are easier read than done, I think. Um, and there's w- one in particular that is, the, that is up there. James 1, verses 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Thank you, James. <laughs> Let me encourage someone today. If you are going through anything that is causing you, that is testing your faith, he is with you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw the towel in. Keep your head high. He is producing something good in your life. Jesus one day will rebuke every storm. He will silence every wind, calm every wave. And in the meantime, his presence is a promise and he is with you right here, right now. Amen. So his presence is a promise. It's not necessarily our plans. It's better than that. And it's not necessarily pain-free. So, so what is it? His presence is a promise. Now, a few years ago, I, um, this is year one of marriage. We celebrated our one-year anniversary by going to Norway on a cruise. It's really got worse ever since then. Like, last year, we, went, we had McDonald's. That was our, so it's really, we started high, and then it's just slowly faded. I'm not sure we'll remember it this year. That's where we're, that's where we're at. It might be a crisp high five, well done, we've made it. Um, but year one, it was great. And, and we went in with, with, really, we had low expectations, I think, of... Um, of the cruise. We, we weren't, we're not cruising people. We'd never been on one before. It was a cheap holiday that we booked. And we kind of went in expecting this thing to be, I don't know, um, like a boat that you'd be stuck on uh, and, and trapped with people that you didn't know and floating around and with bad food and stuff. But it really it blew our expectations out of the water. And it just kept getting better. So it wasn't this small, dingy boat. We stepped, it was in Southampton. We saw it. It's this giant floating hotel. And it was amazing. But it got better than that because we got on and the facilities were just incredible. It was brand new. They were amazing. And it was better than that because the, the restaurant on the boat was like the nicest restaurant that we've ever seen. Like, we're not fancy people. As I said, McDonald's is where we celebrated our anniversary last year. But so it didn't take much to impress us, but this was impressive. But it was better than that because we were assigned our own waiter for, for the week. And so he would learn what you liked. He would take you, like, to... It was better than that because he took you to, to where we were sitting and where we were placed for the week. And Lauren and I got to sit by this window that overlooked the Norwegian fjords as we ate. It was incredible. But it was better than that because the restaurant was amazing. Yes, it looked great. But the food, my goodness. It was the nicest food that we've ever tasted. It wasn't just like burger and chips. It was like you could, lobster was on the menu. Like, I don't even like it, but I had it because you had to. Steak was on the menu. But it was better than that because, and I'm not making this up, this is the best moment ever. I finished what was arguably the nicest steak meal I've ever had in my life. I'm looking at my, my wife in the Norwegian fjords, this is beautiful. And then our waiter, who was a good friend by now, came over and he said, did you enjoy that meal? I was like, yes. He said, do you want another one? I like, what do you mean? I can get you another meal if you want. All of the food was included in the price, by the way. So I'm going for it. I said, yes. Of course I want another one. One minute later, he comes out with, an, with the same meal all over again. Oh. 
Now, to some people, that's like, that's torture. To me, oh my goodness. I, I could have hugged him. I had felt like I had died and gone to heaven. It just kept getting better. And the presence of God, the promise of his presence, keeps getting better. Because with the promise of his presence comes the promise of all that God is. His character, all that God is. So we have the promise of his presence. But with that is the promise of his peace. So we read in John 16, in me you may have peace. Philippians 4, 6, 9. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But it's better than that. Because with the promise of his presence, we have his peace, but we also have his rest. Matthew 11, 29 says, you will find rest for your souls, proper rest, true rest, not just a good night's sleep, but true rest for your souls that only comes from the presence of God. But it's better than that because we have his peace, we have his rest, but we also have with the promise of his presence, his guidance. It says this in Psalm 32, hey, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I love that. But it's better than that because with the promise of his presence, we have his grace. We have his grace that is sufficient for us. Corinthians 12 verses 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And it's better than that because we have his presence, his peace, his rest, his guidance, his grace. We also have wisdom, wisdom to know what to do, when to do it. It says in James 1 verse 5, ask for wisdom and it will be given to you. But it's better than that because with the promise of his presence comes absolute freedom. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, freedom from our past, freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from sickness, freedom from anything that would hold us back from being the people that God has called us to be. He has promised his presence and with the promise of his presence comes freedom. And it's better than that because with the promise of his presence, we have power, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth it keeps getting better the promise of his presence keeps getting better and my encouragement as we finish this series as we consider all that that God has done for us what his presence means in our life my encouragement is this is to is to preach this promise preach this promise all of us will have I think our, our favourite preachers, people we like to listen to, people that we just resonate with, and with how the internet works nowadays, you can listen to anyone from around the world and have these, this amazing you know, banquet of gift mix that we can access just like that. But the preacher that you listen to the most is you. The sermons that you listen to the most are the sermons you preach to yourself more than anyone stood on this stage, more than any podcast that you'll listen to, more than anything that you'll listen to online, the preacher that you'll listen to the most is you. So my question is, how good is your preaching? Like, not like this. I'm not saying how, how good is your public speaking, but what are the sermons like in your mind? What are the things that you're preaching to yourself when you look in the mirror, when you're driving to work, when you're on the commute, when you're going to school, when you're in the classroom, when you're with your family? What, what are the sermons that you preach? Sometimes, if, if I got up and preached some of the sermons that we do to ourselves, oh, 
we'd empty the church quite quickly. Because sometimes the sermons I preach to myself are full of doubt, they're self-deprecating. God's never going to come through for you, it's never going to happen. Your plans haven't gone to plan. It's painful, therefore he's not interested. Preach the promise of his presence. He is with you. Look in the mirror. He is with you. This may not be going to plan, but his presence is a promise. So he is with me in this moment. He is with me in this painful moment. I may not see why this is happening, but I'm trusting that he is determining my steps. He is with me. Let's all become world-class preachers to ourselves, preaching the promise of his presence each and every day. So let me encourage you to do that. Every morning, preach this promise. Preach it to yourself. In the afternoon, preach it to yourself. Before you go to bed, preach it. He is with me in this moment. In Jesus' name. So before we finish, I wanted to give everyone the opportunity to respond to this message. And Chris did a great job of, of saying, describing it as an altar call moment. But maybe you're here and how we're talking about the presence of God, it makes sense, but it's not something that you're experiencing at the moment. And it could be that you've never made a decision to invite Jesus into your heart to make him Lord and Saviour of your life. You can do that right now. Or maybe you are, you're living your life and you're prioritising other things, your plans, whatever it might be, and you know you, you are not walking with God as you should be. In this moment, you can give your life back to him. So let's, let's have a moment of prayer. If you want to um, close your eyes, bow your heads, and I'm just going to invite you to respond to this message. So if you're here and you want to say, yep, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time or you want to give it back to him, would you just put your hand up now and then I will pray for you. Wherever you are, put your hand up and then we'll pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the promise of your presence. God, thank you that you are with us every moment of our lives. You're with us as individuals. You're with us as a church. And God, you see every every life represented in this room you see every hand that is raised and Lord thank you that in the moment that we respond to you in this moment where we accept your promise instantly we know that our past is forgiven our sins are forgiven we're made right in your sight we become children of God thank you that you never leave us you never forsake us and for every person in this room going out from this place would we know the promise of your presence that your presence is a promise at every moment of our lives in Jesus name Amen Amen fantastic well Hey, if you responded at home, if you, if you lifted your hand then in the room, if you lifted your hand, we'd love to pray with you and help you um, understand what that means further. So if you want someone to pray with you, if you want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, in the room you can head to the banner at the back there. There'll be a team that will help you do that. And online you can just drop us a message directly or pop in the chat, I made that decision or I, I raised my hand and the team will process further with you. Um, but let's stand together and we're going to finish now with Chris and Amy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Can we give Pastor Nathan a round of applause Thank for you. that brilliant message? Thank you, Nate. <laughs>